Last week, we're, we are in the second week today, we are in the second week of a mini-series called Balancing Act. So this is part two of that series called Balancing Act. And as you look behind me, we have this, this instrument of torture on the stage here. And that is a balance beam. And I'm actually going to be using that this morning as part of my message. So um, brace yourselves. This could get messy. Um, everybody got your cell phone? You ready to dial 911 in case it's needed? No problem. So the funny thing is, is last week I was talking about health, <laughs> which may be in jeopardy this week. But anyway, we talked about being healthy, made whole. And I used a tripod to illustrate that last week. I brought a tripod up here, and we talked about the idea of balance in our lives as Christians. And I used that to illustrate body, soul, and spirit and how we're created in the image of God that way. And from the greatest commandment, we can, we can see that God, um, he, we, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. And now I'm going to try and switch, and we'll see what happens. Are we working? All right, cool. Awesome. Now I can talk twice as fast because I've got two hands, so I'm good to go. I talk with my, my dad said if you tied my hands, I wouldn't be able to say anything, so I don't know if that's true. But So we talked last week about love your, love your neighbor of yourself, love God, body, soul, and spirit. It all begins with a relationship with God, that stability that comes, that tripod as I described it. All of that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And balance is something that's so important in so many areas of our lives. It brings stability in life when it seems like the earth is moving under our feet and, and all seems unstable. Balance can make such a difference. I love music. I love worship. I've been kind of involved with music for, for quite a while. And I've been in, uh, spent a little bit of time around recording studios with bands and stuff like that a little bit. And, and one of the cool things and one of the arts to really recording and mixing a, a, a group is how you place the sound on the virtual stage of, of the recording because you can actually move the sound around. And I don't know if you've ever taken your uh, music and, and you've had one side, like you got your earbuds and you've had them for more than two days and already one side of them cuts out. Right? And so, so you're only getting one side of it. You take your stereo, stereo and you shift it all to one side. It's still kind of the same song, but you're, because it's out of balance, you're not really getting the full effect of it. You're not experiencing, getting the whole experience. It's out of balance. And this can happen in our lives. This can happen in our walk with God. This can happen in our church experience, that things happen that kind of throw us out of balance. And now it's my intention this morning to help us to be more aware of our tendency toward being unbalanced, going to one extreme or the other in different situations. Because I believe that God's ideal is balance, even as I talked about the tripod last week and the stability of that. So when I talk about balance, in the, even in the area of like when I was talking about music, I'm not talking about average. Balance is not average. I'm not talking about mediocre. I'm not talking about um, compromise. I'm talking about healthy balance, and for all you tea drinkers out there, it's like tea. Tea should be either hot, like steaming hot, or cold with ice floating in it, but not room temperature. Okay, so, so we're talking about either hot or cold. So balance, for the purpose of this message, balance is found in reaching with equal intensity towards both while neglecting neither. 
<laughs> this is where it gets interesting. So yeah, this is a balance beam, and, and my son made this, so yeah, bear with me. Let's, let's hope it... Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's, thanks, Colin. I, uh... It was free, he says. So yeah, so you guys ready for this? With bated breath? Okay, so there's a couple ways you can retrieve balance on this. And Nathan's up there going, do you know how much is, like, anyway, okay. There's two ways you can do it. You can kind of like, you try to stack everything just perfectly straight, right? And if you get everything just right, stacked right on top of each other, you can, like, kind of get balance. But I'll just say that that's not very stable. Now, the other way you can try to achieve balance is you actually start to reach over both directions and you create the balance by reaching to both, both extremes at the same time and you achieve balance. This is actually more stable than this because all it takes is a little breeze and you're down. You're down from. So I'm talking about balance in the area of reaching to both extremes, both truths at the same time without neglecting either. And I believe that's what God has called us to do in our lives. And I never want us to think that average is better. Right? Average is not better. When it comes to the things of God, when it comes to our lives, balance is the key. And it's not compromise, but conviction. There's seasons in our lives, even in our spiritual lives, even in your pastor's life, even in the life of the church, where we may put more emphasis on one side or the other to increase an awareness of a truth that's neglected, okay? Let me explain that. I mean, I've seen it in, in, from congregation to congregation different times. It's understandable, but it's not the ideal. Sometimes we kind of overcorrect and get stuck. Let, let me just, like a couple of thoughts that sometimes happen. You take evangelism on one side and discipleship on the other. So you've got like the reaching outside of the church, and then you've got the nurturing and, and teaching inside. Of that. And different times I've seen in the life of the church where, where there's been an unbalance there because something has happened in the past in the life of the church, and so things kind of skew to one side, but the other's neglected. And that's like, so that's just an area that that sometimes happens. Sometimes if we think about it in the makeup of a service, Sometimes that occurs with worship, kind of this, the, the, the idea from, from the music standpoint and the worship and the expression of praise versus, we'll say, the teaching side of it. And some churches um, like, would go more towards the worship and the expression side and neglect the teaching, whereas others, strong on teaching, but the expression of worship isn't there. And sometimes churches get out of balance in that and they find that it's, 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 a, um, it's not a place of strength. And maybe another one would be relevance versus, you know, orthodoxy or the, or the message. So it's like this idea of the packaging versus the, the content of the message. And sometimes we go one way too far or the other way too far and we go to the balance. Balance is found in reaching with equal intensity towards both while neglecting neither. That's where balance comes in. I want us to consider an area 
of all of our lives that is foundational to our faith. It's foundational to the church. It affects how we live as a believer. It's our greatest strength when we have a strong sense of it, but it can be a source of confusion, weakness, if we're not. And that's our understanding of who God is. That's a foundational thing. That's weighty. That's something that's very important to us. And So sometimes when we explore this idea of who God is, if, if, we, if we have a, uh, an unbalanced, I'll say, uh, concept of who God is, it can affect our stability, our ability to balance. So here's, here's the first one that I'll throw at you. I'll go up the other leg this time. All right. If you consider balance, on the one hand, we have the fear of the Lord. On the other hand, we have the approachability of God and the relational side of God. The God who created the universe, the God of all gods. He's, so we've got that, and sometimes, you know, we've got this big, scary God, and he's, it's almost as if he's up there with a big stick, and we, we start to get over here, and, and we lose the, the concept of the approachability of God, the God who loved the world. And so when we, when we get those out of balance, we find ourselves in some instability, because when things get shaky, we're already leaning a certain way, and because of that, we lose our balance. But if we can grasp both truths... We can find balance. Proverbs 16, verse 6. Yes, I am going to use scripture as well as a balance beam this morning. Proverbs 16, 6. It says, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. Love and faithfulness, fear of the Lord. We need both. On the one hand, God is holy, righteous. He's the judge that requires obedience. I mean, this is the expression of God that is, that's beyond our ability to wrap our heads around. This is, this is the one that's, that, that is, yeah, hard to put into words. He's the inexpressible God. He's massive. He's powerful. He's really terrifying in some ways. I mean, there's a healthy fear that we should have when we realize just who we're dealing with. In the Old Testament, they, they experienced this kind of really very blatantly in both ways. Deuteronomy when the teaching is coming to them from Moses before they went into the promised land. He's like, he's teaching them in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. He's trying to help the people to recognize who God is. And he says, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The Lord your God is a consuming fire. A jealous God. Now imagine if that was your only concept of who God was. Not, you know, your Dale Carnegie, how to make friends and influence people kind of God. Right? It's like, that's, that's fear. That's, that's, that kind of holds us at arm's length. I mean, as a child, I was, I'm so grateful to be brought up in a way that I was taught to have a healthy respect sometimes maybe even bordering on fear, for authority, for those that were, were, were given, um, you know, oversight over me and um, kind of a sense of awe sometimes and reverence. And so it was really easy for me to be able to see God in that way, in a healthy way. Like I wasn't scared of God, but I had that healthy respect, that, that sense of reverence. And, and, I, and I think that's so important to have. And then, but on the other hand, remember God is... Our loving, compassionate God. He's our, he's our Father. Paul, when he's writing to the church in, in 
Rome, yes, in Rome in chapter 8, he's, he's writing to them and, and he's describing God and the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to say, Abba, Father. For, for us, the comparison would be Daddy. I actually was, was somewhere and um, somebody actually re- referred to God as Dad. He, he might have even been praying at the time. And somebody that was there was like, well, that's not very respectful. And I'm thinking, okay, you probably have a little bit of an unbalanced view of who God is because, yeah, it is, at times it's appropriate to see God as dad or dad. There's moments when that is okay. Let me, let me give you uh, Psalm chapter 103, verse 8 and, and on. It's describing God. This is an Old Testament reflection, but it's like Psalm 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He won't always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us, or for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So the same God who loves us completely shows mercy and embraces us God so loved the world kind of a God is also the God who's the righteous judge in a consuming fire. It's both extremes, reaching to both with all our strength and all our understanding without neglecting either. If we don't keep this stuff in balance, we're going to miss a bit of who God is and, and we'll miss his best. Here's, here's part of the, the challenge too, whether we recognize it or not. When it comes to our understanding of who God is and different things, we, um, we also have this, this challenge that we all bring our past experience with us. We all bring some baggage to the balance beam. And you guys are going to get to see whether that works or not. When even maybe perhaps when it comes to your father, maybe you didn't have a very good relationship with your father. Maybe... It could have even been on the, you know, let's just face it, it could have been abusive, or he could have been absent or whatever. Whether we know it or not, that causes us, we carry that as baggage. You ready, Corey, in case I land on my head? He's quite concerned. But what we do is like, so with this baggage, as you can imagine, what this baggage is, it predisposes us to falling. And so we're trying to walk this line, right? And we, we've got this, this preconceived idea of who God is, which, which isn't even right. It's from our circumstances. And we find ourselves, and something comes along, and all it takes is a little breeze. And I should work for the airline. <laughs> And so, so we come to that place, and so we end up, because of that, and we can't figure out, it's like, why can't I do this? Why? I try so hard. It's like, what's going on? It's like, I love God. I love people. And it's like, but it still doesn't seem to work. And so we find that, and what we need to do to be able to find that balance in our lives is we actually have to come to the point where we're willing to surrender the baggage. And you know, sometimes that's a difficult thing. And oftentimes, you know, the safest way to do that is, Corey, run up here. Is to actually have help and to be able to share the load, to let go through the process, 
and suddenly find ourselves in a place where, wait a minute, this is way easier than what it was. It's still not perfect, but it's like there's still the opportunity that like we can, we can when things happen, we've got this, this ability to bring a little bit more balance because we're not carrying extra things that we were never intended to have. And, that, and that's a challenge, people. Putting that down, it, it's, a, it's a thing of pride. It's a thing of, we get so, it's a, it becomes a security blanket and we hug it. But it's like, to find that place of, of, of balance to let go of those things. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it happens like that. But my God, we need each other in that. To release those things to find balance. When we get it, man, so many things are possible. Think about it. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. This is just an example of, of when we let go of some things and, and how we come to, to balance. And when the church is firing on cylinder, all cylinders, is Acts 9, 31. And it says, The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. We could use some peace, people. A time of peace. They enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. What a beautiful balance we see there. The love of one another, the fellowship together, God adding to their numbers daily in the fear of the Lord. It was there. The balance was available. Now, I would say that this carries over into how we look at Jesus as well. We've got the, the fear of the Lord, the massive God, the approachable God, but the massive God. And then we look at Jesus. We've got Jesus closer than a brother. And then we've got Jesus, creator, Jesus, the judge. You know, like, Jesus is not just one thing. He's both. Scary thing. This is point two. Wow. Okay. There's, there's, there's this aspect of Jesus in the New Testament that when we read it, it's like we can paint this picture and it's this, um, forgive me, but sometimes, sometimes in ch some church traditions, this is the wimpy Jesus, right? This is, this is the meek, wimpy Jesus, a little bit feminine, a little bit wimpy. Not, not that women are, 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 are wimpy, like that's not what I mean, but it's like, but, it, but you know what I mean. It's like that, you know what I'm saying? It's like that little bit of not exactly um, a strong depiction of Jesus. So we've got, we've got Jesus, and, and he's gentle. He's the loving Savior. He's moved with compassion at our weakness. He, he was tempted in every way. He was human, but he did not, you know, he, he did not sin. He was the, the baby. He, he hung around with the disciples. He had fun. He, he was the great storyteller teacher. He embraced children. So it's like this. He's a very approachable, very loving, very, you know, that's the approachable Jesus. You know, we... we Years ago, you had Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts. I don't necessarily recommend that, but I guess it's kind of one way you can relate to, to God and so on like that. But it's like, so there's, there's that side of it. He's approachable. He's called in Luke 7, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So that's one aspect of it. Even, even his approachability and how he dealt with the disciples. Jesus, when he was died, he rose again, and, and he appeared to the disciples, and Thomas wasn't there, and so he's interacting with them, and he comes and he says, peace to you, and he comes through the wall, and he talks to them, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus is alive, and so they tell Thomas, and Thomas is like, yeah, I doubt it. Thomas is like, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not having a bar of that. So, so he comes back a week later, Jesus comes back to them, and Thomas is there. Everything's kind of set up the same. Jesus appears 
and he says, peace to you. In John chapter 20, verse 26. So picture this, right? Thomas wasn't there the first time. The second time he, he was there, Jesus appears. He's in the midst of them. In John chapter 20, verse 27, then he said to Thomas, he says, come here, put your, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and, and touch my side. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. What an example of an approachable Savior. He had every right to just squash Thomas. You doubting fool. But he was approachable. He said, come, come here. Come on, Thomas. You've got to get this. So he brings him in close and he says, touch my side, touch my hands. So that's, that's one aspect of him. Since he, he was resurrected, he was with them. But I want to move on just a little bit to where John, the, the Apostle John, the, John the disciple who hung out with Jesus, he was at the table. So he's writing a book called Revelation. You may have heard of it. It's the last book of the Bible. And so he's writing this letter, and in Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, we have this, this encounter happening that, that opens the scene for the, what's to come with this book. And he says, on the Lord's day, which is verse 10, on the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, so he's, he's praying, he's in the Spirit, and he says, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So th this was loud. And he's, which he said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. So he's, he's having this moment, yes, he's in the Spirit, but like, he's having this revelation of Jesus. So Jesus appears to him, and let's skip down to verse 17. This is, this is John, this is his account of what happened. Revelation 1.17 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. So, so he hears this voice like a trumpet, and he's like, what up? So he turns, and when he encounters, when he looks upon Jesus, yeah. I'm still here. Jesus, I love how Jesus reacts. I'll, I'll read it so I don't get it all messed up. Then Jesus placed his right hand on him, someone that just fell on his face as though dead, and he says, do not be afraid. Too late. Okay, so, okay, he's face first, and then Jesus says, I'm the first, I'm the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Write, therefore, what you've seen and what is now and what will take place. I mean, we've sung about it this morning. <laughs> grave, where is your victory? It's like, you have no hold on me. This is the Jesus. He stands before John, and John's reaction to Jesus, the same guy that... You know, last supper, he's the one sitting next to him, kind of leaning up against him. He says, yo, Jesus, who's the one that's kind of to betray you, right? So it's like he's that close, intimate friend. He was on the cross, and while he was on the cross, he looks down and he sees his mother, Mary, and he says, John, take care of her. John, take care. That's how close they were. That's my mom. You take care of that woman. That's how, that's how much he trusted John. John's reaction when he saw Jesus in that moment was to fall on his face as though dead. Now, Jesus is approachable. He's awesome. But understand the power of what's there. If you don't respect it, it can destroy you. It's kind of like Steve with his Hellcat. You got that many horses under the hood? You respect it. But Jesus, 
The expression of him is both. It's in balance. We've got, we've got Jesus, my friend. Everybody always gasps when I do this. We've got Jesus, my friend, but we've also got Jesus, Savior of the world, creator of all things, the one with all power, all authority. That's in one hand, and we can approach him with the other. And what's in the middle when you do this? Balance, and you are. Right? You've got Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the soon-coming king, Jesus, the approachable one. And when we get that in balance, there's, a, there's an aspect of it that just, it just opens the door to so much more. But if we're, we're stuck on one side, we miss his power. We're stuck on the other, we won't go anywhere near him. Both. Reaching to both without neglecting either. I've got to keep moving. Hebrews 4.15 says, We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet without sin. So what do we do? Let's approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How am I doing for time? There's so many things I could where I could go so many directions with this. And just a couple more I want to throw at you is like this idea of grace and law, the idea of obedience and and and, and the grace of God that, that meets us where we are, that, that balance that comes when we look at this. It's like Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes in Jesus Christ. So all of us are on that side, there's the sin element where, but it's only the grace of God that saves us. And guys, on, on, I'm going to skip down to Romans 6.1, so I'm going to skip a couple slides there. Romans 6.1, Paul talking to the church, and he says, so what do we say then? So we just grade on sinning so grace may increase? Paul gets a little excited, and he says, no way, by no means, uh-uh, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? It's like he's saying, yes, we've got grace, and it's by grace you've been saved, and it's grace alone, solo gratui. It's Latin. Anyway, and so, and, but also, it's like that doesn't mean, that's not a license to sin. That's, that's the power to overcome. That's the strength that comes from him to be able to do more and to live a certain way. Because what, what God says is like he can't be mocked. Like what we sow, we will reap. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That's grace, people. Let's throw a couple more at you, just kind of shotgun approach here. Faith and works. Faith and works. Two extremes in many ways. James writing to the church, he says, What good is it, brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Reaching to both extremes without neglecting either. Speaking the truth in love. 
So important in a church context. There's a balance there. There's the truth, yes, but there's the love side of it too. Ephesians 4.15, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. See, the problem with that is that if we've got truth and no love, we will crush people and hurt people. Whereas if we see love as neglecting truth, then we get just lawlessness and you know, we think by not correcting somebody that we somehow love them more. It's like, that's not the case. Love corrects because there's truth, but the two go together. Both extremes in balance. All right, you guys want to get that balance beam off the stage for the team as they come back? I'm going to keep the suitcase. Vanna White's got nothing on you guys. Sometimes, because we want to make Christianity more attainable, we can tend towards striking an average. And when we do that, we'll tend to, to diminish sin. We'll minimize it. Well, it's not so bad. We'll call it something else. Whereas God hasn't given us that liberty. is like sin is sin and it brings death. But what we do is we elevate grace because the power of grace to overcome sin is there. And, and sometimes in our lives, we, we want to kind of this middle of the road. We want to kind of bring it in. We want to make it more attainable because it's, it's easier to fathom sometimes. It's more comfortable to be here because when we start talking about radical things, radical grace, radical obedience, Radical evangelism, radical discipleship, you know, radical love, radical rules. Like you start, you know, you start expressing those things and people kind of look at you and go, huh? And their head starts to tip a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? So, so if we can talk about it, it's like, no, yeah, God's good. Well, yeah, God is good. But that's a, the understatement of the century, right? Like God is good and he does good. But it's like, good, is that really the best we can do? Like, the goodness of God is like, so there's so many of these things as we, as we begin to recognize who he is and we come to a place of balance, there's some stability there and it releases some things in our lives that we'll, we'll never get any other way. We don't want to level our expectations to the level of our experience. We want to make sure that we, we, we make sure that we lean into everything that God has for us. We live in a tension and believe me, there's a tension in it. But it's in that tension that we actually grow and stretch and believe for more. It's in that tension that we're in that place of faith. It's like you take the tightrope walker kind of, a, of analogy again. It's the tension in that rope that allows the walker to be able to be on it. It's like, yes, he's got the pull for balance, but it's that tension that keeps him up there. It's not wrong, it's, but it is stretching. And when I think of us today, we're all here. You know, you've heard this message. You've seen, you know, the pastor doing gymnastics in church. But I want that to stick in your mind. Because even this week, there will be opportunities. As you're trying to walk that, you know, you're trying to walk that balance beam. That there'll be opportunities the wind, for the, the winds of change, the opportunities that come against us, 
to test our balance. And maybe you're here this morning and you recognize like, oh, yeah, there's some things I recognize that, man, I've got out of balance. And I want to encourage you this morning, like that's, that's true of all of us in some area of our lives. But what do we do with that awareness? What do we do when we see that? Do we, do we try to compensate for it? Do we try to get along? Do we hope that nothing bumps us over the edge? Or do we begin to really think about it? I, I think there's probably some people here this morning that recognize that, you know, there's some baggage. And it's like, you know, it, it, it might not be just a relationship with a father or absent father. Like, that could be what it is. But you recognize maybe, maybe you've been interacting with the church on some level. And the church that you thought was perfect or hoped was perfect actually became uh, something that hurt you. And, and you, 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 know, you try to do your best to, to not let it affect you, but it's like, you know, the, the heavier it gets and the more that offense grows, you're recognizing that, you know, it's really affecting more than you thought. There's different things in our lives that, that are baggage and the only way we can really, really move forward sometimes is to figure out how to let it go. And it's, it's not an easy thing, and it's not as easy as dropping that. It's like oftentimes it requires a great, some good relationships, some support around you. It requires perhaps some counseling. It requires a lot of prayer. But are we going to get just get used to it? Are we going to embrace it? Are we going to drag it behind us everywhere we go? I don't know about you. I get in the airport and I'm happy enough to put that thing on the carousel and let somebody else deal with it. Maybe that's what we need to do some of the baggage in our own lives. It's just put it on the carousel and let the one that's supposed to handle it take it. Maybe it's in the area of compromise. And we all do it. I do it just kind of lower the bar a little bit. You kind of just bring things more into the center. It's easy to reach to. Today, God's, man, take it up a notch. I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it's worth it. Can we stand together? Because I, I just, I get a sense that maybe it's not just me. So we're going to take a moment team's going to lead us in worship, but I just want to let you know that, you know, the, the front here is available if it's a place where you want to do some business with God. I'm not one of these guys that, that thinks that certain parts of real estate have more of a God's presence in it than the other, but I think sometimes a physical representation is makes it easy for people to kind of connect spiritually with what they're doing physically. And So if you're here this morning and, and during the worship, um, you just feel like you want to do some business with God, feel free to come up. Um, we've got pastors and teams designated up front here that can pray with you and just agree with you in prayer if you want that. But let's not just leave here being okay with being out of balance. Let's not leave here just thinking, yeah, well, whatever, good thought. Let's be honest with ourselves and honest with what the Spirit of God is doing in our midst. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just believe that you are, you're touching some folks and you're, you're, you're working in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that works in us. God, I pray for the, for the courage and the fortitude to, 
to be willing to respond in a way, God, that, that you so choose, Lord, not, not the pastor, not me, but God, that, the Lord, in the way you so choose, that we would find ways to respond to the power of the Spirit in our lives. So God, we, we give you the freedom and the liberty to do what only you can do in our midst here this morning as we worship you in Jesus' name.